Hello and welcome to Promo Insiders, ASI media podcast that covers the topics that matter most to the promotional products industry. I'm CJ Mitica, Editor-in-Chief of ASI Media, and today I'm joined by Beth Bridges, the networking motivator and author of Networking on Purpose, a five-part success plan to build a powerful and profitable business network. Beth, who currently serves as the Chief Networking Officer for Blitzer.com, has attended and run over 2,500 in-person networking events over a 10-year span. Today, we'll be debating in-person versus digital networking and discussing successful strategies for a new age. Beth, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thank you. And it's probably been about 250 to 300 digital or virtual online networking events in, uh, it's probably more than that now in the last two years. Yeah, and we're, de- we're definitely gonna, definitely going to talk about that. So Beth, Beth and I ha- have a little bit of background. Um, I interviewed Beth, was it four years ago, Beth? Five, five years ago mm-hmm. now for mm-hmm. a, a Q&A on networking. Um, Beth helped me a lot because um, I despise networking events. Um, no offense, Beth. I, 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 despise, I, get, I, I get a lot of anxiety when I go to places and, and events where I don't know anybody, which was the purpose of networking, right? You go to, to meet people. Um, Beth gave me some some great advice. She had some awesome ideas. Uh, helped me, helped our readers, and uh, I just jumped, jumped at the chance, Beth, to, to bring you back. Especially now, because um, you know so much has changed in the last in the last two three years as far as networking is, is concerned. I'm curious about your your thoughts. Like you, um, again, you've had this such an extensive background. Um, how would you assess the current state of networking, and in particular, in person networking? Like, is it is it back to where it once was or, or is it on its way back? Like where, where do you see all that right now? So I have two, two parts to the answer to that question. The first part, how do I see the state of networking in general right now? Fragmented, mm-hmm. fragmented because you have in-person networking, you have online networking, you have Zoom groups, online, you have Facebook groups online, you have the opportunity to do one-to-ones. It's very much, it, it reminds me very much of what happened with television. So I remember as just a little itty bitty kid, I didn't grow up in a huge market like Los Angeles or San Francisco, uh, where we had three TV channels. That was it. When you went to school or you went to work in the morning, the next day, the chances of you having watched the same thing on TV as everyone else in the office or everyone else at school were was highly likely. Right. And now you have Hulu, you've got Netflix, you've got Amazon Prime, you've got just enough content on YouTube to, to watch. You've got uh, cable TV still. So the chances of you watching the same thing as anybody else is is pretty small. And it's it's not just that it's so many different opportunities. So many of them are asynchronous as far as media watching, because maybe I'm watching something that's three years old. You're catching up on it every single time it comes out. And networking to me is very similar to that progression. It used to be that you had three choices. You could join the Rotary Club, you could go to the Chamber of Commerce, or the elks, moose, you know, animal of lions, animal of your choice. Yeah. That that was it. In fact, back in the 50s, 
it was something like 80% of men between 30 and 55 belonged to some kind of service organization, 80%. Wow. So in, in your town or your neighborhood or your city, it was the exception to the rule that someone was not in at least one of those groups. And now I think the percentage is ludicrously small, 5% or 3% or, or I would be surprised if it was, I would not be surprised if it was one or 2%. So it was starting to fragment long before COVID, it was starting to fragment long before all the digital options and COVID and the digital options just fragmented it that much more. Okay. So, so part two of that is what, what's going on locally or what's going on with in-person networking. And I'm, I'm part of a group that is uh, on Facebook. It's close to 11,000 chamber of commerce staff and executives. So if you really want to have a pulse on what's going on with, with in-person local networking, that too is fragmented because it is very different depending on where you live, very different. And so I'm in the Central Valley of California and you, you'd never know that COVID was an issue, except you, you, you occasionally see someone still wearing a mask, but as far as the networking events, they are back to normal, but smaller. So everything here, even though the restrictions are gone, the, the, the major concerns are gone, they're still smaller. And I believe that is because of the online opportunities. There were many, many people who just decided, meh, I don't need to go to in-person. This online thing's working really well for me. I just don't need to bother going to the events. Okay, that's interesting. And, and, and uh, for our viewers, uh, we are doing this live. So if you're watching right now, if you've got questions, comments, um, that, that we'll be ha happy to answer any questions and we can definitely read your comments. So just feel free to, to, to post and we can just take them as they come in. Um, so I, I'm, we, we're gonna touch on both sides of this. We are gonna ask about the digital side later. I'm gonna uh, stay, stay on in-person for, for a moment. Um, you're saying that the events are smaller. Are there less in-person events or are, the, are, those, are the events, the in-person events coming back to where they were, but maybe they're not as expansive as they once were? It's both. And again, my experience, of course, I have my local experience, but it's it's also from the, the Chamber of Commerce side. A lot of organizations, not just Chambers of Commerce, but a lot of organizations that were responsible for a great deal of the networking and gathering opportunities took COVID as the chance to really evaluate what they were doing and how useful it was. Mm -hmm. So there were a lot of events that, that had to get dropped during COVID, but they're not getting picked up again after COVID because it was a great deal of time and effort and people weren't really involved or it was not bringing a return on investment, either dollar wise or benefit for the community. So some of those business events, some of those community events, or they're never going to come back because they were they were marginal to begin with. So yes, fewer events, but also fewer people participating. And part of it is there's there are still people who who still 
rightfully have concerns about protecting their health and, and being to, to public events. And or so they've either decided to not participate in person or they've found online opportunities that are maybe not perfect, but are good enough and, and satisfy their their need to protect their health. And then there are people who've just decided this online thing was great. I don't have to drive 30 minutes across town, spend an hour and a half at a luncheon, 30 minutes back. That's two and a half hours out of the middle of your day. And so they have decided to replace, if not all, but a good portion of their, their in-person networking with online. It works just fine. They're not local. You know, they're not limited to local and it's especially people who are not limited local. So they're just replacing it. I, I did a survey, uh, I think about a year ago and it, I did two pieces of it. And one of it was about a hundred people that I had a conversation with. And another one was a quick, are you going to do after COVID, assuming everything goes back to normal, are you going to do the same more or less online networking and on the whole, most people, the majority of people were going to do more online networking and less in-person networking after COVID, even if everything was back to quote normal. That's interesting because we see with virtual events that um, a lot of people have, a lot of people talk about it's not the best substitute for it being in-person, especially like a trade show. And so there was a big push definitely in our industry and other industries to get back to the in-person in aspect. They, you know, if they saw merits with, with the virtual. Um, and and, and that's so, it's, it's interesting that the balance that's occurring. Uh, and I see a comment here uh, from, from Judy. It's a little lengthy, but I, I can, I'll, I'll, I'll summarize. Um, so she says she networks regularly uh, she, and she's attending an, actually a networking event at lunch today. And there'll probably be about 50 to 70 people at the event. She's part of other things, BNI chapter, virtual in-person meetings, and she belongs to six chamber of commerce is that she says she's met you during virtual networking uh, activities, but um, it seems like she's, you know, she, she does both virtual and in-person and she says some chambers here are just returning to in-person lunch events yes. ne next month. So, um, you know, Ju Judy's, you know, Judy's saying that, that she's has sort of this balance of doing, doing both, but have you seen it? Are, is it like, is, are people just choosing one or the other? Or are they, are they actually this sort of, if they're, if they're an active networker, are they trying to fit both types into their routine? The active networkers are trying to fit both types. And okay. so she's brought up a really good point again, which is that it depends on where you are and right. where she is. People are, I think personally, I think people are itching to get back together in person. Oh yeah. As, we've seen that at our trade shows. So many people have thanked us. Attendance has been great. They're, they were dying to, to get to get back out and see their see their suppliers in our industry, see see some of their friends in the industry that they don't live close with. So we we definitely seen that for sure. Mm -hmm. And again, it's that weeding out though of of the events and the activities that just didn't that were kind of marginal to begin with, or it was the the same group of people uh, to begin with. They weren't growing, and I think those are the groups that aren't going to continue. But you know, things like trade shows. Uh, I don't know. The virtual trade shows just aren't the same. I might as well flip through a catalog. It really is the opportunity to talk to people and, and 
make those connections. Uh, otherwise, again, you're just going to do a search and find the product that you or the or the service that you need online. And and so, I, again, I think it's going to be fragmented. Some communities are just going to be really ready to come back in together. Mm-hmm. But again, there's going to be a, a siphoning off of, of people who just want to do the online. So if the in-person events are smaller, does that make them less effective or less attractive as a networking opportunity? I don't, I don't think so because you can do the math. Let's say you go to a networking event with a hundred people in attendance. It's a, it's a two hour mixer in two hours. Are you going to be able to talk to all 100 people? No, not, not now you'll, you'll probably have the chance to talk to five or 10 people and you have the opportunity to choose from a, a larger group of people, but in person is, is not that scalable unless you just whip through the event and say, hi, you know, uh, nice to meet you. Here's my card. And that's not networking. Of course, that is cold call selling or, (laughs) or advertising of some kind. So you're still not going to be able to scale up in an in-person event. Um, yeah. And Judy's commenting that small events lead to deeper conversations with people. It, there's a balance when you have a larger event, the energy is there. You have a lot of people who are bringing a lot of energy. It feels really, um, uh, exciting and interesting and lively. And if you have a very small event, it may feel like the energy is not there. It may feel like the opportunities aren't there, but it may also be less intimidating. It may be more approachable. So again, there's that balance. And, and again, though, there's that fragmentation where you're going to have some events that are going to get really big and you're going to have some of these small events that just don't make it. Right. So at, at the event itself, that in-person event, um, you know, Beth, you, you live in the Central Valley of California. Um, you know, I'm, I'm based in the Northeast outside the Philadelphia area. Um, you know, I, I, like when I go shopping, there's definitely um, a non-insignificant portion of people wearing masks, um, you know, and that maybe that's more common in the Northeast and other parts of the country, but it's, it's just an accepted fact, like, a, you know, a, a relatively decent number of people are still wearing masks when they're going to, um, when they're going to stores and, and probably when they're going to events as well. I, I've seen that too, certainly at our trade shows, ASI's trade shows, um, people are wearing masks and it's just become an accepted, accepted fact. Mm-hmm. Um, some, some people, maybe, maybe a, a smaller percentage are still leery of in-person contact, whether that's a handshake, whether that's a hug. Um, but that, you know, these are new considerations for, for that in-person event. So if you're a, if you're organizing event, if you're attending event, I mean, how do you, how do you, how do you navigate the, the, those concerns that people have? It's a good question. So I ran in-person events before COVID, but hundreds of them. And it, it is a, this is a marketing, um, it is a marketing task for the person who is putting on the event. You have the opportunity to set people's expectations before they come to the event with, with how you promote the event, the way you talk to people about it and the way you, 
uh, present it and market it. And back then, of course, one of the main considerations that I had when I was uh, setting people's expectations was setting them up to understand that this would be easy to talk to people, people are approachable, they're, they're friendly, they want to talk to you, they want to be approached. And so for example, CJ, if you were coming to one of my events, you, you had called me in advance and said, hey, I wanna to come to this event, uh, do I need to RSVP or whatever question you had, I would make sure to set that expectation in your mind. Oh yeah, just come on in, introduce yourself to people. They expect that, they yeah. want you to introduce yourself so that you came in feeling comfortable about that. Now with COVID and some people who prefer to not shake hands, they wanna be there with mask. You also have that responsibility to set up the expectations to people. You're very welcome if you're wearing a mask. Uh, if you come and you see somebody who is wearing a mask, ask before you shake hands. You could even have a little bit of a check-in and remind people there are still some people who prefer to not shake. You know, we, we still elbow bump or, you know, you can fist bump. Most of the in-person events that I've gone to, um, hand sanitizer right there on the table. That's I used to do that during flu season, <laughs> but but now it's a standard. And, and for the organizer, it's really up to them to set that tone. I have found, as you said, it's really very accepted because for a while there, there were people who got oddly upset when they saw other people wearing masks. Um, I don't know if, if those people have just calmed down uh, or if they'll go out, but it, it is just um, not remarkable now if somebody's wearing a mask. Yeah. Yep, I agree. And I see a comment here from Rob Lemons, uh, I think referring to our to our previous topic about like mm -hmm. the smaller events, uh, says also depends on the individual person and what yeah. they want to get out of it. And I, I, I think that's just to sort of summarize what we're talking about with in-person events. Like I think there's there's still opportunities obviously to make strong connections, um, but they, you know, this, things have changed a little bit. Is that is that a fair assessment, Beth? It is definitely a fair assessment. and with this fragmentation of, of networking that I was talking about, people may want to reassess what they want out of their networking. The, the people I find who get the most frustrated with networking are those, and this goes back, you know, to the history, the, to the dawn of networking. Yeah. Some of those who are the most frustrated with it are those who, go to events, expect they're going to talk to five or 10 people. They're going to literally qualify people in their initial networking conversation. I, I've had those conversations where I've, I'm thinking, I'm being qualified here. <laughs> <laughs> and once they qualify, then they're a prospect, then they go into your funnel. It is, it is not so much networking as it is the top of a sales or marketing funnel. And I think those people may continue to be frustrated both with in-person because that's that's just in-person has always been frustrating. They're, they're going to be frustrated because let's do the math. You go to a networking event, there's a hundred people there. In two hours, maybe you can talk, let's be generous. Let's say you can talk to 20 people. On average, the people who are in your target market, only you know two to 10% are actively looking for your services. So 
not everyone in a general networking event of 100 people are going to be in your market. Let's say 50 of them are. Let's be super generous and say 50 of them are. You talk to 20 of those people. Out of those 20 people, let's say 10% are actively looking for your product. That's two people. And uh, honestly, I think these numbers are way, way inflated. So you spend two hours to find two potential prospects. More likely, you'll spend an hour, talk to five people, find no one who's interested, and be frustrated. Well, networking doesn't work. I never find anybody. I never make any contacts. I think it's going to be harder with online networking, these Zoom events where you go, and it's 30 people in the room. You have the speaker at the beginning, and then you do these four to five person breakouts. You're doing the same thing again. So these people who think of networking as their sales funnel, they're treating it as part of their sales process. They're frustrated online as well. And it's worse, I think, because I've I've been to I've been to a lot of these Zoom networking events, both the kind that were kind of open and it'd be different people every time. And then even a couple of groups where it was a it was a good sized upfront investment supposed to be the same group of people. The first time was 30 people. The next time was 25 people. The next time was 15 people. The next yeah. time was five people. And then they stopped having it. If you're trying to go to these Zoom networking events and randomly prospect the five people who are in your breakout room, you're, you're doing the same exact thing, except the chances of you seeing them at next month's luncheon is, is, very low because either they've moved on to the next zoom event because they were frustrated with this one or you've moved on to the next one so very fragmented you could you could go to a different group every week online never see the same people again and and pitch all of them and at the end of the year be extremely frustrated because i did all this networking and i never made any sales so i'm glad you brought that up because it, it leads into the next question i was going to ask about digital networking um so I think if you made clear, digital networking is here to stay. Um, and when we talk about digital networking, at least to me, I mean, digital networking has been around for, for you know, a, a few decades now, you know, email and social media are digital networking. So that's like that, that that's not, that's not new. I, what I think we're talking about is video based converse, conversation, right? So with, with, with that type of networking, um, especially in the past couple of years, what have you seen? that works. So uh, what if I, let me tell you what I've seen that doesn't work okay. <laughs> is, um, people there, I see fewer people like this now, but I still see plenty of people who do not prepare to be on screen at all. And so by preparing, checking your lighting, checking your framing. And I still have conversations with the top of people's heads and the bottom of their noses and people who are in the witness protection program. Right. And that's all I can figure is, you know, the, the window is, is over here and, and they're, they're, uh, they're a character, they're a bad guy from Batman, like, right. They got all this light here and then this is totally in the shade or, or the light is behind them. And the difficulty with that. So uh, there's a very good book about, digital communication and and of course i'm going to try to talk to you and think of the book 
uh, book name at the same time, but it is a very, very good book. Let's see if I can find it while we're while we're doing this. Sure. Uh, digital, when you send an image through the digital means, it's it's literally taking up bandwidth, not just the bandwidth in our heads, but literally it's going over you know, wires or Wi-Fi, and the message is compressed, both literally and figuratively. And what I mean by that is that you and I are sitting here, we're on screen, I'm in my office, there's nobody here, there's my plant, but you're not physically here. And we forget how much information we get from somebody's physical presence, from their right. body language. Just if anybody has ever done one of those uh, moments where you're, you're, reading or you're concentrating on something and then all of a sudden you realize somebody's in the room with me you didn't see them you didn't hear them you, you just kind of felt their presence we miss that when we're online we miss little micro expressions we don't hear their voice fully uh we don't see all of their body language and so it's it's like a flattened effect and so gosh where, where what was the original question about the the difference with the online the digital networking oh the things that i see people do well if added to all of that where you're losing the body language you're losing some of the voice you're losing some of the presence and you add on to that that i can't see you very well i can't hear you very well it's like a weird angle um it's very distracting and people will have a hard time listening to you, getting your message, they'll, they'll really have a hard time because they're going to be distracted with, with all of these other things that we don't normally, we don't talk to people in person, like seeing only this much of them or seeing them, you know, like hit all these weird angles or, or strange lighting. We don't go to networking events where, you know, people are in total shadow. So that is something I see people really want to work on. It's not about vanity. It's not about making sure you look really good. It's making sure that you are not distracting them from your message, that they're not spending the whole time trying to figure out, you know, what you even look like, but they're listening to you. And so making sure that your online appearance, your lighting, your, your, your framing does not distract from your message. That if, if those factors are accounted for, though, you know, good lighting, um, clear, clear picture, not being cut off in that way, is is that is the digital networking then on par with the in-person networking in terms of the connection that that you're making? I think it takes personally. I think it takes more effort for the online. I have friends who I have tremendous connections with. I met them on social media, but the reason why we have such a strong connection now is that at some point I met them in person. I, I was on a trip. I made sure to see them if I was in that city. And I guarantee you those connections are far stronger than even some of the regular networking uh, friends and connections I have whom I've never met in person. It we. We are still physical beings in a physical world. Mm -hmm. we're, we're not going to change. 
you know, 10,000 years of a million years of human interaction uh, in just a handful of years. So it will take more effort. It'll take more consistency. It will take more frequency to build the relationships with people online. And on, on that note, there's a comment from Judy about following up. You know, if you even if you're just connecting to LinkedIn or other social media, um, you know, it's, it's that, but she thinks it's even more important after you meet someone on Zoom, follow up with them, get, get, get you know, find a reason to follow up with people that you meet in virtual environments. And she says she likes to establish herself as a resource and that it served her well. I, and I, I think that's great, great advice. Um, you know, I, I've, I've definitely met, um, there's people in my industry who I've worked with for um, a decade plus now, longer than that, um, that I've never met in person. I still have good relationships with, good working relationships. Um, and we just find reasons to connect by email, on social, social media. So um, I think physical, as you, as you put it, is a huge asset because when you have that physical meeting with that history be, um, behind you, it really, it really cements that relationship. But I still think you can build a digital-only relationship with yes. conscientious activity of following up, of checking in, of making sure that you're still a presence in that person's life at, after that initial meeting, wherever that may occur. Yes. And that is that goes back again to this idea of, of fragmentation because you know you were saying you're in a smaller community and and I thought you were going to say you can't go to the grocery store or uh, you know the gas station without running into somebody you know and and part of the city I live in is is that way. Right. I went to a um, uh, it's a Greek festival at a local Orthodox Greek Greek church. The last time I went to it, it was a small event. It was huge this time. It was yeah. it was incredible. But I saw three people I knew just in the business community. One was yeah, two were business community. The other one was my high school guidance counselor. <laughs> <laughs> so the downside of digital is that it's much harder to have those serendipitous uh, encounters with people that you, you just happen to see them at something. But that's also a function of, you know, just how much bigger our communities are and how much the events are fragmented. We don't we don't have that uh, that experience where there's the one big thing everybody goes to every weekend or that everybody goes to. Uh, once a year. We don't have that anymore either. So that's fragmented. But the but the online cannot do the uh, not random connection, but when you go to a networking event, quite often an in-person networking event, you don't go to every person and have a deep business related conversation. You have just, right. hey, how are you doing? How are the kids? You have those very casual sort of social uh, conversations, those social connections. And and I think that can be missing from the digital realm unless you're doing that in social media. And I think that is one of the places where social media can be just vastly powerful. Not so much the, um, hey, nice to meet you. Do you want to buy my stuff? But in just, here's some interesting things that are, happening in my life. Oh, look at this amazing thing that's happening in your life. And and just those little social interactions that we would get in person, we now get those on social media and that backs up your networking, your business networking. 
So Beth, I want to ask more like a bigger picture philosophical question. Um, since, since the start of COVID, what um, what things did you thought what, what what things have emerged that are universal about networking, and also what things that you thought were true about networking but maybe proved didn't didn't prove to be true as as digital replaced in person in this two year span. Now that is a very good question. So I had an interesting COVID networking experience. Uh, prior to prior to that, uh, I've spent the last 30 years, 40 years of my life being just this um, outrageous extroverted person. I would go anywhere, talk to anybody. You know, we we talked a little bit about how there's that discomfort of walking into a room full of strangers. I sure. never had that. I was like, yes, look at all these people I've never met. This is amazing. And <laughs> so I was aware of that. So when I coached and spoke to people and, and talked to people about networking and put together networking events, I was very aware that that is not most people's experience. So I had a lot of, I had a lot of sympathy for people who found that difficult and and that is one of the reasons, for example, I was saying you need to set the tone for people coming into your networking events. I would have events that were more geared towards making it easy for people to introduce. And then, and then about four and a half years ago, I had a personal life experience, which changed my personality. And I did not want to go to networking events. I did not want to be there. I did not want to talk to people. Uh, and now I did not just have sympathy. Now I had total empathy and that experience personally has changed my perspective on it, but also um, on some of the universal, as you said, some of the universal things about networking that are true and some of the things that I realize now don't have to be true. So the things that are true is that people want to connect and by connecting, they want to be seen and they want to be heard and they want to feel significant. Uh, they don't want to feel disconnected and left out. And I realize that is not just about business networking, that is getting deeply uh, you know, personal and philosophical. I don't care though sure. if somebody says, I don't need a bunch of friends, I don't need a bunch of people, I don't have to be an extrovert. No, you don't, but you still need connections to feel connected. And if anything, COVID really hammered that home. People's health and mental health and physical health deteriorated because they were not interacting with people. Even if they were not interacting with people in the grocery store who were annoying them, you know, like, why is this kid kicking the back of my seat in the theater? We realize now how vastly important just having connections are and how important it is not just for our businesses but for our mental health and our physical health so that to me has always been the core of networking which is that we need people we need each other we need to uh, be aware of each other and learn of each other and and talk to each other and be of value to each other that that has never ever changed for anyone in in history, and it didn't change for me through COVID and through the personal experiences. 
what did change was that I don't have to be in a room with a hundred people every single week and meet them all and talk to every one of them all the time. You don't have to do that. Some people are still going to really love that and want to do that. Um, but I realize now that it does not have to be done that way. So that for me is what has changed. I think that is what has changed for a lot of people. You know, that phenomenon. Remember for a while there where the UK was saying you have your 10 people that you can have in your social pod. Do you remember that? Yeah, I think I do. And, and it was quite the little uh, fun social media meme where it was like, oh, wow, who's going to be in my 10? <laughs> if you have 10 people in your your core social group that you socialize with on a regular basis, health-wise, you're in great shape. Now, business networking-wise, probably not so much, but there's ways to, there are ways to have these connections. There are ways to um, get done what you need to get done without, you know, hitting a different huge event every single week. And, and I've become more myself a proponent of having that core group and going deeper with that core group instead of shallower with many, many, many people. If you want to go, if you just want to be visible to a whole lot of people, that's your marketing. That's marketing. That's maybe even the advertising, but that's your marketing and not your networking. So I think that provides a good segue to um, the last part of, of our interview. And again, um, if you have questions for Beth, feel free to feel free to ask. Um, the question I'm going to ask you, Beth, is you've talked about how fragmented networking has become, and there's a lot of different choices now that are available to people. So if you want to, if you want to start networking, be more active with your business networking, and you have all these choices available to you, where should you start? Where should you look? Mm. If I was starting over again myself, I would give myself a length of time, maybe it's three months, maybe it's six months, and try out a number of groups. So there, there are all kinds. There are nationwide, there's regional, there are some that started out as leads clubs, so in-person leads clubs that have gone online. A number of them are online and um, a hybrid. I know B&I did an amazing job of of going online and now they're partially in person, partially online. Chambers of Commerce, the Chambers of Commerce that made it through COVID are better than ever, stronger than ever. But I would choose, I would take maybe six months and I would try two, three, four networking events a month. I know it sounds like a lot, but you know, an event a week is all we ask. Sure. And give each event two or three tries. I have a friend who, who says, never judge a TV show until you've watched the first three episodes. Okay, fair enough. And then pick one, pick two. And, and pick, if you're going to pick two or three, pick ones, pick two or three that are different, not the same version of each, each event, but just a different group of people. So pick one that's in your industry. You know, like ASI. That if if I'm in if I'm in the, the the specialty products industry, that would be a great way to have part of that. Pick another one that's more maybe it's more community oriented. Maybe it's more 
uh, general. Maybe it's people more in uh, your level of, of experience. So diversify in the type of events that you're doing, but then stick with them. And then there's one type of networking event and group. It's a specialized type of networking. And I think every single person should have one of these. Absolutely. What's that? <laughs> it's a mastermind group. Okay. Everyone should have a mastermind group. And it does not be need to be a large group. Uh, most of the longest running successful mastermind groups that I've been a part of have been between three and six people. And it is your core group of people that you, you absolutely can trust. Uh, it's helpful. Like I was saying, if you have find a group where you're all kind of at the same level in, in either your business development or your career, it's helpful if you're, if you're in a similar position because because you're you're not going to be exactly on the same level in every single part of your business. So one of you might be a little further knowledgeable about marketing and another one more about PR and another one more about uh, the finances. So, but being close to each other in where you are helps prevent somebody from constantly feeling put upon because if you have a group of five people and one of them has been in business for a very long time and they're very experienced, they they may either feel really great about constantly lifting up the others in the group, or eventually they might feel like, well, I'm just, I should just be charging them for consulting because I'm doing all the heavy lifting here. So it can be a little tricky, but I think it is one of the most powerful types of networking efforts you can put in. And it's not about doing business with each other. It's not about selling each other your products. It is about strengthening your personal and professional development, growing your businesses and, and really learning together. Well, that's, that's great advice. Um, fantastic ideas for definitely people who are starting out, want to increase their networking activities. And certainly there's plenty of uh, opportunities, including our ASI trade shows. Um, it's a great way to make, to make connections as well. Uh, Beth, if people want to find out more about you and your work and, and get more of your great advice, uh, where, where can they find you? So there's a couple of ways. I'm I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn. I'm not as active as I, as I used to be, but um, my website is thenetworkingmotivator.com. And you mentioned my book, which I didn't have it out, but uh, here's a funny story about it. You know, you write a book and it is uh, it is a difficult thing to write a book because for me, I'd write on it and think it was great. And then I'd come back to it and think it was terrible. And so what I made sure to do was to publish it at one of those peaks where I thought it was great. Sure. When I left the job where I was doing all kinds of networking, uh, I thought, oh, no. A few years later, I thought, oh, no, I wonder if my book is still relevant. Like, is, does this only work for you if you... <laughs> Or uh, networking all the time. I went back and reread it, and I thought, Whew, okay, it's still good. It still holds up. You know, there's there's still a few things. Uh, there's a few things in there. And of course, uh, Google my um, uh, Google Plus is gone. That's the only thing that's yeah. really uh, not relevant. the The basic principles of what you need to do in networking, whether it's online or whether it's in person, they're still there. That the, the 
the way you need to connect with people, the reasons why you need to connect with people, um, the way you respect and help and value other people and give value to other people, that is still there. That that'll those will never change. The need to give value and to help each other people. We haven't even touched on those things. Those those are still there. Those are timeless principles. Um, the other way that people can connect with me and uh, get some more of these ideas, especially little encapsulated ideas, is on a platform called Blitzer, B-L-I-T-Z-R.com. I have a group called the Brilliant Business Builders, and every week I do a little mini webinar, and then we have some one-to-one -one networking. Cool. Fantastic. Well, Beth, thank you, know, thank you for joining us. Thank, thank you again for just sharing your sharing your strategies and advice and ideas. And it was it was great just to, to re reconnect again after after a few years. It was. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it, and uh, so glad to be so glad to be of value and. Uh, <laughs> appreciate you very much. Definitely. Well, th thank you. And th thank you everybody for, for watching and listening today and have, have a great day and rest of your week.